from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back. That's the name of the show. No other names, only that one. Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a Star Wars books podcast for people who could eat their weight in those Taco Bell cinnamon crunch twists, you know what I'm talking about, uh, where we talk all about Star Wars legends. We're celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined, recently released by a 2-1-B medical droid, by Freddie C. How are you, man? And Palpatine sat with his legs crossed in the hot shower. No, Freddie, what is this? No, <laughs> keep your fan fiction out of this. Uh, released a little too early, I guess. <laughs> We're having some steamy behind-the-scenes conversations in Slack today about bonus Patreon content or something like that. I'm not sure. Was it about OnlyFans, Freddie? We'll, we'll, we'll just stop right there before Meg mutes our microphones. Well, welcome back, man. Uh, it, was, it was not quite the same with that. I mean, hey, it was fun last week and everything. Um, thanks, of course, to Carl and Eric for filling in. But, you know, I get used to hanging out with you every uh, Thursday night. It's fun, man. Uh, you know, these, these random little notes and uh, Palpatine... Uh prose in uh you know <laughs> sensuous palpatine prose you know it's it's fun times uh, I, I gotta admit the first time that i mentioned slimy naked palpatine when we were doing our dark empire roundtable i i honestly did not know it would become the whole thing that it has become yeah do i regret I. it uh jury's out on that one i know some uh, people do meg does <laughs> yes, I do. Meg definitely does. And you can hear her, of course, uh, welcoming uh, back once again from being stuck in the trash compactor for a week. Joining us, our producer, the editor-in-chief at utini.com, Meg Dowell. How are you, Meg? I'm no longer underwater. That's good. <laughs> Everything is fine. The books are safe. The books are safe. I do have something I need to talk to you about, though, Jared. Uh-oh. Um, the bookmarks? Okay. Well, okay. So, last week... You were kind enough to give me the night off because, you yeah. know, it was a stressful time. Sure. So I finally gotten, you know, my heart rate down. It was At the end of the pay. day, everything was great. And it was a little bit after 8.30 here. <laughs> so I was like, hey, I know I'm, what you're I'm say. chill. I, let me finish my story. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought to myself, hey, I'm not running the stream tonight, but why don't I, you know, just log on to Twitch Check see if in. it's happening. See how everything's going. And Jared, um, how about you remind our audience what what, what happened uh, literally five seconds after I logged on? What did you, uh, what were you talking about? <laughs> what What did you say? Well, what could I have said? What were we even talking about? We're talking about lightsabers. Uh -huh. It might have been before we got into the lightsaber content proper. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm guessing it had something to do with... I might have... Was that the moment that I screamed at the top of my lungs about Slimy Naked Palpatine? Louder than you ever have. <laughs> yeah, ever. that's right. I felt a little In bit off. In the history off. of Legends Look Back, it was I like... immediately, my blood pressure went up <laughs> all the way back up. I logged off. That's right. It's like... It was like when your mom leaves you and your buddies alone, you know, when you're like a 12-year-old boy, you know, on a Friday night. And it was like, all right, we're going to say whatever we want. That's kind of how it felt last week, Meg. Gotta admit, but I, welcome back. I am disappointed in you, but <laughs> in all seriousness, it is good for the three of us uh, to be back together again. It is. So. With a plus one. 
with a plus one. That's right. Joining us for the first time on Legends Look Back, you know him and love him from such great Utini YouTube hits, such as What Are the Dark Troopers? And Light of the Jedi Review. And Guide to Star Wars Audiobooks. He's trying to grow his hair out until he looks just like Fabio Prince Iceholder from the Courtship of Princess Leia, and that is none other than Nathan Emery himself. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Hello, hello. <laughs> Glad to be here. This is um, not only my first Legends Look Back or my first Utini podcast, but my first podcast ever. Oh, wow. Awesome. And I'm very excited to be sharing it with you guys. Great. I'll give you notes on how you did when it's over. Um, <laughs> awesome. Nobody give me notes. I don't want to know how I'm doing. Please. Um, I will say this much, Nathan. You know, uh, we've been on the team together for almost two years now and have never actually had a real conversation that was not like... Looking good, you know, when I comment on your YouTube videos. <laughs> or, hey, I just read that Legends book, too, in the Discord. So, welcome. Glad to have you. Um, you know, what's especially fun is, and I'm not sure everybody on the Utini team knows this, but uh, pretty active in Slack. Uh, I don't like Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter quite a bit, too, but I love, I love all the fun behind-the-scenes conversations we have in Slack. I love you guys. It's fun to have this Star Wars community. If somebody in Slack mentions a Legends book for any reason... I hop on over to Coda, and I take a little note that says, hey, remember to invite them to be on the show when we finally talk about that book. And Nathan, it might have been a year ago, I don't know how long ago it was, that I saw you had read the Jedi Academy trilogy, and I was like, all right, Nathan's our guy. Is that about right? When did uh, you last read these? Yeah, I think it was probably right about a year ago at this point, but... Um... You know, it was a fun reread just now as well. So. Awesome. Well, good for you in actually completing the reread. Freddie said that he just finished <laughs> Champions of the Force. Was it yesterday? Today? Yeah. Yeah. I started the second book two days ago, and I started the last book today. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Freddie is nothing if not good under the gun. Yeah. And you can quote me on that. You can put that on a business card. <laughs> <laughs> Look, throw me under the gun. It'll be done. <laughs> That's right. Now, good under pressure. Um, also good with outdated and irrelevant books from uh, a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. We'll say that much. Uh, Nathan, tell us a little bit about uh, your Legends fandom. Yeah, I've got to say, you know, hey, Freddie and I try to corner the market on Legends at Utini. Of course, Trevor's always trying to butt in from overseas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Nathan, you, you get some legit OG Legends cred, don't you think? Yeah, I think I'm kind of the, the sleeper Legends guy at Utini because I'm young <laughs> enough where it's not like I grew up with it. And I don't know as much as, you know, kind of the big guns, but I can come in every now and then with uh, the Legends stuff. So I started with Legends about 10 years ago or so probably, um, and it was kind of random. My uncle just, like, he brought over a bunch of old sci-fi books he didn't need anymore. And I remember seeing Star Wars in there, and I was a lifelong Star Wars fan, so... I pulled them out and I read them and it was the original Thrawn trilogy. Um, oh, nice. And from there, you know. I want to be that kind of uncle. Points. That's my life goal. Be that kind of <laughs> uncle. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yeah. So then I kind of read random Legends books here and there through the years and stuff. And then probably about three years ago is when I was like, all right, I'm really going to give Legends a go and like kind of go chronologically and get the main story of Legends and all yeah. that stuff. So that's where I am now. Excellent. Um, excited to have you here. It's it's always fun to kind of experience Legends fans first time through all this stuff. And it's particularly exciting to get to live vicariously. You're in the middle of the New Jedi Order right now. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So uh, you Very could probably exciting. write a doctoral thesis on the, the religion of the Yuzhan Vong <laughs> and the, the, the caste system of the shamed ones. <laughs> I came away from that series like I just learned so much stuff I did not need to know, but didn't hate it. 
you know. Um, well, good luck to you. It's going to take about another 10 years, probably, just to finish the New Jedi Order, if I remember correctly, <laughs> from my own read-through. Well, uh, as we have already mentioned tonight, we are talking about the Jedi Academy Trilogy. Uh, I don't know if I've shown this one off on the show yet. We've been off our game for about a month here. I was concussed, and then Freddy was under the weather, and Meg had the flood, and so we haven't been together. And I I need to fix my autofocus where you can see these books a little better. I've got the hardcover of all three books from the Jedi Academy trilogy in this one volume. And uh, it is gorgeous. The black and red color scheme. It's got cover art from all three of the books kind of stitched together in a collage. Um, this thing is just absolutely one of the most gorgeous Legends books that I own. So excited to have it. I was uh, swapping stories with Freddie before the episode started about how my, some of my uh, paperback copies of Jedi Academy Trilogy are falling apart. Because they were well read and well used when I bought them at the used bookstore in my hometown in like 2001. Uh, Freddie, tell us about your copies of the Jedi Academy trilogy. You were busting out some fun facts on me here before we got started. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have the paperbacks, all three of them, and I'm casually reading them, right? And I, I like to read every single thing from the, the, you know, the prologue, the, the de- dedication. I read everything, acknowledgments, and I get to the, the page before the, the actual, you know, the actual story starts, and then there it is. Kevin J. Anderson's signature. And just at random. It's not at like random. you bought them from him. No, totally just <laughs> well, from a bookstore. I, I got them used at a bookstore a long time ago. And, it's incredible. And check that out. Both two Absolutely and three were so I just got lucky. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, I try to collect all the Star Wars authors' autographs and um, recently just framed my Timothy Zahn and Aaron Alston autographs. Ooh, nice. Got those on book plates and, and had them framed. Pretty proud of them. But I don't have KJA. So, you know, you've got uh, got a stone in your Legends author infinity gauntlet that I don't have. I'm going to have to <laughs> rip it out of your forehead. And uh, then we'll start a sitcom. It's going to be amazing. Perfect. Um, a couple of bits of housekeeping before we get into the roundtable proper. And that is uh, Mailbag, our Mailbag segment. I just showed off a book that I recently got, the Jedi Academy Trilogy. Meg, Freddie, Nathan, you guys got any new Star Wars books you want to show off? Let's see. Well, because I've got thing, some if I need to go again. The only thing I have right now is a hardcover of Truce at Bakura that I found for $2. <laughs> hey, way to go. Nice. I so was going to say, is... yeah, I, I think I own four copies of that, different versions of it. <laughs> it's definitely my sixth version. Just because of you. Yeah. <laughs> I see it and I think, what would Freddie do? He would buy it. Buy he it. would definitely buy it. <laughs> Nathan, you got something? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been getting the new Jedi order, oh, cool. and, and so you know, since it's so many books, I just kind of go with hardcover or paperback, whatever's out there. This one's stained, but um, yeah, Eric actually just completed yeah. his new Jedi order um, hardcover collection, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I that's, own that's the, really just the regular five. I don't own the the special, you know, sci fi book club versions. <laughs> oh yeah, now, that's exciting. How about you, Meg? Uh, I will have things to show off next week. Okay, cool. I've got one last thing to show off. I've got a couple of new comic variant covers here. This is the third printing of Light of the Jedi, or of uh, the High Republic number one. It's got Skier and uh, oh, Keeve Trennis in a lightsaber battle. It's maybe my favorite cover of the series. And then I got a variant cover. I'd forgotten I'd ordered this one. It showed up, and I was like, what is this? Pretty exciting uh, variant of Light of the Jedi number two. I know it's not Legends, so I'm just going to give it like five seconds here. Uh, pretty gorgeous. And I'm excited for some more of those to release next week. I've, I've been like having that uh, High Republic addiction. I've been, just been craving it. Has, hasn't been any new ones in uh, a few weeks. 
a few weeks. What am I going to do? Well, uh, <laughs> excited to get my hands on some more of those. And you can get your hands on some new Legends books as well. It's pretty exciting. We've got two new upcoming Legends releases coming up pretty soon. On March 9th, you can pick up the Legends Epic Collection New Republic Volume 5. Whew. That's the best thing about Legends, isn't it? These long titles. Well, Legends, yeah. Marvel's Legends Epic Collection. Marvel's Star Wars Legends Epic Collection New Republic Volume 5 Dark Empire. <laughs> and uh, somebody on the team was just saying they picked that up today. Spiced in. Jacob was saying he picked that one up, which is exciting. And we're going to cover on this show. We're going to be reviewing that pretty soon. We'll talk about um, all the rest of the Dark Empire stuff that you haven't heard about yet since uh, we first just covered the first volume of that. So that's coming your way. And also, Trevor from Across the Pond is going to be joining us for nothing other than what Trevor does best. And that is, we're going to wax poetic about short stories galore. From the Star Wars Insider, the Fiction Collection, Volume 1, which releases on March 23rd. Now, I just got an email the other day that said mine's been delayed. So, might have to send a message to Trev, rearrange the schedule. But, be assured... You will have your Trevor, and you will have your short stories. Are you excited about that one, Freddie? Yeah, that's. I, I've always been a fan of short stories, uh, mainly because during the dark times, that's all we really had continuously that's to right. kind of keep us going. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of short stories. I've got one I'm hoping to read this weekend that ties into the Jedi Academy trilogy, which you're going to learn about in just a second. One final bit of housekeeping, and that is this. We have a new, exciting way that you can interact with us through Legends Look Back, and that is the Legends Look Back Goodreads group, which our good bud Emily Daybeck has helped us start. Um, I know that uh, Meg and I interact quite a bit over there on Goodreads, and um, now you can interact with us too. We've got the Legends Look Back Goodreads group. You can follow along with us. I've posted an exclusive question some uh, commentary, some debate, some discussion that you can have exclusively over there on the Goodreads. If you're in the di- if you're in the Discord channel, you're watching this on YouTube. You're thinking, what is it? Uh, I why can't I just comment here? You're gonna have to go over to Goodreads to find out. But I can tell you this much: it's a lot of fun, and it does involve Cornhorn. So, without <laughs> further ado, <laughs> this book. We're going to be talking about the entire Jedi Academy trilogy in a two-part roundtable. This episode is about the characters. Next episode is about the overarching questions. It's got, and this is a direct quote from the book. All right, get ready for this. From the mouth of 3PO himself, he says, Earthquakes, geysers, volcanoes, and lava. Oh, my. What great writing in these books. I mean, Kevin J. Anderson is an absolute poetic master, and I can't wait for us to be getting into this. It's also got spongy growths. Drug spiders, and you guessed it, another Death Star. I told that to my uh, six-year-old, and she said, aren't there already two Death Stars? (laughs) So, I mean, hey, you could hire her to write these things. Why not? Uh, It came out in 1994 from Kevin J. Anderson, as has already mentioned. Freddie, did you know that he's actually only written one other full-length Star Wars novel in addition to the Jedi Academy trilogy, I mean, and he's written so much in Legends. That's and you know, yet he's only me. written, fully written himself, one other full-length adult Star Wars novel. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that. I was thinking that as well. I was looking at his his uh, what is it? His biography of Star Wars, and I was like, really? I thought I feel like there was more, but I mean, those there is a lot of content that he has created. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's crazy to think that though. Yeah, he, of course, also um, was the editor and compiler and contributor on uh, the 
three of the Tales books. So he famously started that off with Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina, continued it going with Tales of the Bounty Hunters and Tales from Jabba's Palace. He famously co-wrote uh, some of my very favorite Legends books, and that would be the Tales of the Jedi comics, along with Tom Veach. And then he also co-wrote the Young Jedi Knights series, along with his wife, Rebecca Moesta, which is pretty exciting. And uh, I asked my wife if she'd like to write some Star Wars with me. And she said, you just go in there and do your podcast. I'm going to take a bubble bath. So um, he's got a good thing going for him. I mean, pretty exciting. And it's cool, honestly, having reread this, the way that this series does tie into the Young Jedi Knights is especially fun. A couple of these uh, students from Luke's Academy actually, hate to break it to you, they go dark. And they become quite villainous in that series, which is pretty fun if you know the rest of the story. Uh, he also co-wrote a few um, old-school Legends reference books. Uh, he famously, Freddie, did you know this? That he actually wrote the very first introduction to Darth Bane. He wrote a short story hmm. that came out just slightly before the Jedi vs. Sith comic. Did you know that KJA introduced the galaxy to Darth Bane? That is wild. I had no idea. Wow, there is that a is crazy. cat right outside my window <laughs> that I've never seen before. What's up? You want to join Legends Look Back? Sorry, we've already got our guest for tonight. I think it's and, uh, what's that? It's Exarcoon, just the dark, the dark <laughs> the one. spirit, just trying to, just trying to haunt me. That, that's how he appeared to Kit. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, a little bit more trivia about this before we get into the summary. Um, Freddie, what Star Wars book, do you know this off the top of your head, what other Legends book serves as a major retcon to the Jedi Academy trilogy? Do you know this one, um, Nathan? I don't think I do. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you know it, Freddie? Uh, well, I know that there's... I'll tell you this much. Oh, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> there is a book, uh, set in 11BY, or is it ABY or so? Yeah. Uh, I Jedi, I believe, is around I Jedi, time. that's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. A very famous book around Utini parts. I've got to admit, after <laughs> I finished the Jedi Academy trilogy, I read like 100 pages of I Jedi, and I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> I regretted it, for sure. And I have not yet attempted that one. Uh, well, hey, now that we have just completed the reread of this, now is the time to go back, because it really does serve as a fun... It's perfect time. Uh, a very fun... Uh, alternative uh, history to the way that this goes down. He just kind of retcons Cornhorn right into it. <laughs> he just shoves Cornhorn right in there with his extendable lightsaber and everything. Uh, it's actually kind of fun for Corrin to be the foil for everything that's wrong with this trilogy. <laughs> and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love this trilogy. Um, but but Corrin basically just is, is just griping at Luke on every page. He is just telling Luke everything he's doing wrong. And it's very true to Corrin's character, but it's also so clear that Mike Stackpole was not the biggest fan of this book and felt the need to fix it. And so <laughs> it's just like calling Luke onto the carpet. He's like, oh, what? You couldn't tell that Kip was about to turn to the dark side? Oh, what? Dan Torres challenges you to a Jedi you know, lightsaber battle right in front of everybody? He doesn't even apologize? You don't even put him in detention or anything? Uh, I mean, it's just just amazing. So you at least got to read, you know, there's like 100 pages in the middle there that is a retcon of this series, which is a ton of fun. And also, Freddie, did you know there's a comic series that ties into the Jedi Academy trilogy? I actually, I did. I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's on my list, especially after I've, I've gone through these books. So It's pretty breezy. Almost every page is just action scenes and uh, yeah. stabbing this big monster with lightsabers. Heck yeah. Um, 
it's called Jedi Academy Leviathan. It was written in the late 90s, so five or six years after this trilogy came out. Have you ever read this one, Nathan? I read all four issues today. Uh, it's very KJA. You know, Kip is the hero. Um, it's not like the most thought-provoking Legends book, but one very fun fact, especially as it ties into Light of the Jedi, there's Jedi who control the weather using the Force in this. I did not know that that was a Legends thing. Uh, that they have brought back into Light of the Jedi. So, hey, if uh, we can say anything about the Jedi Academy series, it is not outdated or irrelevant. It is all the more relevant now that we've got the High Republic on our bookshelves. And finally, a couple of other little bits of introduction here. Cam Solusar, one of the Jedi in Luke's Academy, he actually joins the series in Dark Apprentice, the second book in the trilogy, uh, fun fact, he was actually first introduced in an unpublished novella written by Tom Veach called Lightsider. Um, of course, Cam Solusar is named after Cam Kennedy, the artist of Dark Empire. So if you're reading Dark Empire 2, and we'll get to this in a few weeks, and you're like, where did this guy come from? Uh, well, he came from a book that was written, but then shelved and never published. So that makes sense, but now you know. You're welcome. There's several other students, of course, who are retconned to have been a part of this first class of students who are not actually mentioned by name in this series. Let me know, Freddie Nathan, if you have heard any of these names before, all right? And I'm going to do my best to pronounce these like I'm reading from the Old Testament itself because these are a little bit difficult. So we've got Madurin, Kyle Katarn, yeah. Havit Storm, Kian Farlander, Nicholas Marr, and Dal Connor. And I feel like I just was reading that in Pig Latin, these Star Wars <laughs> names. You heard of any of these fellas before? Uh, definitely. Just Kyle Katarn. Yeah, Kyle Katarn is the one that stands out. The Chuck Norris of Legends. We gotta get into some more Kyle Katarn on this show. <laughs> we should. Um, and then finally, Kevin J. Anderson, as I mentioned earlier, has a short story about one of the characters, Tion. Um, how do you pronounce her name, Freddie? I say, I say Tion, two syllables. Yeah, I bet I you put some actually. exotic twist on it, don't you? She okay. might say Tione, who knows? Yeah, sometimes I read it that way, but then I feel like I'm I'm trying to, you know, be somebody <laughs> that I'm not, you know. Uh, so so it's a fun little short story about her. Meg, you might remember her from our Legends Ladies episode because she's the bookworm. She's the one who's, like, not actually very good at the Force, but she's, like, super into history. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, a in the series, she actually plays music. She, like, tells these Jedi ballads and, like you a know, minstrel. We'll, a, a minstrel is what does that mean uh, it's it's almost you know someone that plays for the entertainment but it's also like a history tale in the song <laughs> yeah uh, eric says that she's like a 90s rapper no that's not what he's saying well it's it's now because i said it on the show so <laughs> without further ado let's get into it remember this is spoiler heavy territory if you have not read this trilogy i mean I'll say this one last thing. I told Cheryl this a minute ago. She said she hasn't read them before. In this series, we're going to talk about it tonight, Luke, at one point, is literally the lava Jedi Jesus. <laughs> All right, if that's not the hook, I don't know what is. So pick up your copy of Jedi Search, and you can follow along with us for next week. This YouTube video isn't going anywhere. I mean, unless it does, but like like Exarchoon's spirit, it's coming back with a vengeance. So, following the defeat of Grand Admiral Thrawn and the resurrected and slightly slimy Emperor Palpatine, Luke realizes that the time has finally come to commit to reestablishing the Jedi Order. He, of course, pitches this before the New Republic Senate. They give him a standing ovation for having such a brilliant idea, and then he is off. But three things really stand in his way. 
One, he needs some Force-sensitive students if he's going to actually start a school for Jedi. Secondly, he needs a physical location in which to establish the school and keep it out of the reach of the remnants of the Empire because, of course, they haven't learned how to have Zoom school like we have. Thanks, coronavirus. And, of course, the long-dead Sith spirit of the Dark Lord, Exar Kun has his own secret plans for the school. You know, shouldn't Luke have like probably swept the planet first for ancient Sith spirits before starting the Jedi Academy? Uh, we'll come back to that one. Don't answer that. Luke dispatches a few teams of buddies to scour the galaxy for, for potential Jedi students. He goes to the volcanic world of Eel Shah to retrieve the leader of their surviving surviving but starving colonists. I loved all this stuff on Eel Shah. It was so cool. <laughs> Including their leader, an angry man named Gantoris. Totally not a red flag at all. Except Gantoris totally raises some major red flags from the start and runs Luke through a series of tests uh, before agreeing to join him, culminating in almost getting Luke eaten by a massive lava serpent. And, you know, also Gantoris has been having force-fueled nightmares about a dark man tempting him with power. But it's probably no big deal, so I'll just come to the Academy anyway, and Gantoris joins up. Then they get a cloud-hopping hermit from Bespin named Streen. What's his deal? He's kind of weird, but I like him. No sign of Grogu for this Academy, though. No babies Yoda. Han and Chewie, however, crash the Falcon in what is a kind of shocking chapter, and the cover art of, of Jedi Surge really just is, it bothers me, because the Falcon is just absolutely ransacked in pieces. But they fix it up pretty quickly. Um, they're, on, they're en route of course, to a, a meeting, a diplomatic meeting on Kessel, but then they're ambushed by a secret fleet of ragtag ships. They're imprisoned in the spice mines because it's Kessel, after all. There they befriend a young orphan named Kip Duran. Yeah, hey, there we go. Freddy's showing off the, the crashed falcon. It's pretty striking imagery, isn't it? They fix it up pretty quickly, don't they? Considering... <laughs> <laughs> All the damage. <laughs> the Falcon has such a fun part in this series. Of course, uh, it's in the mines of Kessel where they befriend Kip Duran. They run for their lives from fluorescent spice spiders. They escape into the Maw where they go out of the frying pan into the fire. They accidentally discover a secret Imperial super weapon research facility with another Death Star. But also another super weapon called the Sun Crusher, which is even cooler than the Death Star and more powerful. But then, of course, um, you've got uh, Tarkin and Vader and the Emperor and Thrawn and Isard and the resurrected Emperor too. During this time, um, they have all been defeated. The Death Star has been blown up, and the Imperials there have no idea. Leader Tarkin's understudy Natasi Dalla, she took her quarantine pretty seriously. She had no idea any of this was happening, but now she's ready to break free. She takes her fleet of Star Destroyers out of the Maw to wreak havoc. Is it wreck havoc or wreak havoc? I've never gotten this one right. I never will. Don't tell me. Han, Chewie, and, um, and Kip, they steal Dala's flashing new super weapon, the Sun Crusher, which they're totally going to destroy because it's too dangerous for anyone to wield such power until, of course, Kip is seduced by the dark side, goes on a genocidal rampage, but, you know, we're going to come back to that. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. In the New Republic, Mon Mothma gets horribly sick because an Imperial ambassador from Karita um, didn't wear his dang mask. You know, <laughs> not really. That's not what happened. A fun fact, though, KJ Anders, uh, KJA tried to kill Mon Mothma. And the editors at Lucasfilm nixed that. They, they um, made sure that she survived it. And it's a good thing, you know. You can't kill off Mon Mothma. Anyway... Uh, this leader from Karita did secretly poison her right in front of everybody. 
by throwing a drink in her face. And it took him three books to find that out, by the way. Leia had to step up in the absence because not only is Mon Mothma under the weather, but Akbar is also exiled due to Imperial sabotage, a crashed ship, and there's bug people. It's a whole thing. Needless to say, things aren't looking well for the new government, nor for Luke's new Jedi Academy, because as he's assembled his first class of uh, Jedi students. Luke's kind of a bit of a hippie in his pedagogy, and really he should have gotten some kind of accreditation. Uh, Freddie, who do you think is the governing authority on licensing the establishment of religious warrior monk academies in the galaxy far, far away <laughs> anyway? Is it like on Coruscant and they just, you know, aren't really up to speed at this point? Uh, they might have to file some sort of like paperwork and goes to yeah, Imperial Luke, City, gets approved. <laughs> it's not looking good. Anyway, he kind of sneaks it in through a loophole. And uh, his Proxium on Yavin 4, remember that place, the Jungle Moon from A New Hope, which is totally free from distractions, except for, you know, like the ancient evil Sith spirit who tries to seduce Luke's Jedi students one at a time. First on the chopping block is Gantoris, R.I.P. Gantoris. Then it's Kip Duran, who steals the Sun Crusher by pulling it out of Yavin's gaseous core, annihilates the Karita system, and is totally going to get detention for this young man. Ultimately, Exar Kroon is finally destroyed when Luke's detached consciousness speaks to his young niece and nephew, Jaina and Jason. You can't make this stuff up, guys. Uh, while his body's in an, <laughs> a dark side-induced coma, then Kroon is vanquished by the power of positive thinking and teamwork, I think, when the Jedi students have to learn to work together with the power of the light side. Capital L, light side. I mean, this is serious business, this Jedi stuff. Kip eventually is freed from Kroon's control, has a change of heart, and is saved by his buddy Han... Forgiven by Luke, and the Jedi Academy isn't shut down, even though, you know, one of them just committed genocide, and he suffered no consequences. And it's actually going to become a huge plot point later on in Legends, because, I mean, Kip could probably even have his own TV show called Everybody Hates Kip at this point. <laughs> but not me. I like him. He's great. So, uh, Nathan, start us off. Rate this book on a scale of 1 to 10 like we do with all of our... Um, all of our uh, new book releases over at uh, the the book review team. So tell us if you were rating the Jedi Academy trilogy, all three books, one rating. Give us one number. What is it? I'd go with an eight point five. Um, I think they're a really fun read. I enjoyed them a lot. Um, the the writing and story had a few questionable points, which <laughs> is why it's not not higher. But you know, they're they're a solid read. Eight point five. 8.5, so it's high. Uh, that's that's great. Halfway to incredible. Um, I gotta say, I, I might have given it that when I was 12, but not this read-through. Not this read-through. Um, for me, I might give it a 6.5. Just the writing style was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. But in a good way, because my brain is broken, because I got a nasty concussion, and I needed something really light and breezy and not too challenging with one-dimensional characters, and this book does that. You want a quick Legends read, except for Meg, who's been trying for a month. Is that right, Meg? You're in Chapter 4? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's Kevin J. Anderson's. All right. Um, how, no, no, no. I, they're great books. They're great. They're they're just they're very legendsy, right? They're they're outdated in their own particular way. And uh, the Jedi, they, these are the superheroic uh, books that we talk about from Legends for sure. Yep. Especially the Jedi Fire Jesus part. Oh, I can't wait for that. All right, <laughs> Freddie, what's your rating on the Jedi Academy trilogy as a whole? Uh, I was gonna give it a six point eight or like a seven point two, like between. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go seven point two. Benefit of the doubt. Uh, All right. it, they right are the easy reads. They're fun reads, right? You just sit in a bed, read all day. It's it's that kind of thing. You don't have to think too hard. It it's uh it takes you. Don't a think lot too of... hard, please don't, because if you do, it's gonna mess it up for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, don't. But that's don't what, that's hard. what we're gonna do on this show, though. 
<laughs> oh yeah. man, it's so much fun. Yeah, just um, remember these books were written in like the early '90s, so you have to remember that. <laughs> I suppose my biggest complaint, other than the writing and the characters, is the fact that it doesn't especially build on the foundation that Zahn laid in the Thrawn trilogy. It just kind of lets the Thrawn trilogy be its own separate thing, and then it's as if Kevin J. Anderson was like, all right, now here's what really happened after Return of the Jedi. <laughs> in fact, this is really fun. Back in 2015, when... Um, I mean, it might have even been earlier than that. It was after the Disney acquisition when they announced they were going to make the uh, a, a new Episode Seven. These original Legends authors, a handful of them were interviewed by a major media outlet. Oh, I forget what it is. I'll see if I can find it. I'll throw it up in the Discord. They were asked, what would your plot be for Episode 7? So like, all these years later, we're talking about uh, the 20-teens the here. They've had some time to reflect on these books that they've written. You know, Zahn comes up with a pretty crafty answer. It's not exactly a regurgitation of the Thrawn trilogy, but does say, you know, there's some things about that he would carry over. And uh, kind of pedantically, KJA says... Like, I would do exactly, word for word, what I wrote in the Jedi Academy trilogy. I wrote the story of what happened after Return of the Jedi, and there's no reason they should depart from that in any way at all. That's canonically what happened after Return of the Jedi. I mean, he doubled down on it hard. Yeah. He was like, I would make a student named Kip Duran who gets seduced by an ancient Sith spirit while Luke tries to set up his Jedi Academy. I mean, it was amazing. I was like, I had to put the magazine down and just applaud the man for <laughs> sticking to his Legends guns. That's what we do here on this show. Oh, man. So much fun. So much fun. Um, let's start off with Luke Skywalker himself. It's going to be our character-focused episode, and we're going to have to quit introducing this thing sooner or later. Let's start off with the Grand Master, who is well on his way to becoming a Grand Master. Of course, he's going to have to get, you know, in his ancient Sith coma first, but don't worry. He's got young nieces and nephews to help him. Um, Start us off here, Nathan. Uh, did you notice uh, the passage where Luke gets thunderous applause for no reason? Uh, t talk to us about uh, the way <laughs> yeah. that Luke is portrayed in this series, uh, the, the kind of reverence for him, how Luke can do no wrong even though he really does a lot of wrong. Um, what's, what's your portrayal yeah. of, of Luke overall in this trilogy? Yeah, I mean, it's just like his students, everybody in the New Republic, like everybody he interacts with, it just you know, adores him. Like, you know, he's, he's this superhuman, super heroic figure. And like, you know, I mean, everybody just absolutely reveres him. Yeah. They treat him with kids, kid gloves. We're going to let your uh, sound balance out a little bit here, Nathan, before we come back to you. Uh, it's breaking up just a little bit. Uh, Freddie, did you, did you find it comical? Did you, did you agree? Yeah. Should they have given him a standing ovation just for pitching the idea of starting a Jedi Academy? Yeah, it was Nate, like <laughs> Nate, he put it right on it. It, it was the most. Uh, I mean, you could see it in a movie, right? The, the scene starts. He's asking, "I need a Jedi Academy, and I'm gonna do it to save the save the Union." You know, and everyone's like, "Yay!" <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what it was like. It was so cheesy, but it he was, had accomplished uh, nothing. He was just just like, "I'm gonna do it, y'all." <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but it definitely was. It brought on like the high spirits, right? You could. That's that's exactly what they were trying to go for. Were the high spirits before? the uh soap opera it gets you is, amped it does it gets you real amped so it and you know it's it's like the the very peak of everyone's feelings until everyone gets sick and a lot of death happens <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you can look at it that way the fact that like it looks like it's gonna be really successful but then there's a lot of um you know 
uh, sabotage along the way, both in the government and at the academy itself. Uh, two of Luke's first 12 students turned to the dark side uh, in this trilogy, not to mention two more from these original 12 are going to turn to the dark side uh, <laughs> within almost, the next 10 years. I would almost say, like, just, just the way it reads, it's, it's like almost within the first week. He loses two of his <laughs> two of yeah. his apprentices. <laughs> it's hard to know. Time is a little nebulous in yeah. the Star Wars galaxy. Also, a fun a fun little fact: uh, there was this this uh, mention that Luke has like a corona of like light around his head, but on page forty three, the text literally says that Luke has corona, <laughs> and I found that especially fun. <laughs> dealing with what this year has been. Even though he's got Corona, Luke does, of course, go on to establish his Jedi Academy. And I, I'm not sure that he ever really has a plan on how to instruct these guys. I mean, like, there's... And, and this is something that my wife's a big Harry Potter fan. Now, I hate to bring up another nerdy franchise on my show. But, <laughs> you know, uh, there's, like, no math class at Hogwarts, right? You know, like, there's no chemistry. They have potions, but, like, not chemistry. Like, not science. They don't learn you know, how to do their taxes at Hogwarts. They only learn wizardry stuff. And it's it's pretty similar here at Luke's Jedi Academy, except for there's no rigid, structured instruction, right? Uh, evaluate Luke's training methods for me, Nathan. All right, on, on a scale of uh, the best to the worst, uh, which of these do you think was most important for Luke to train his Jedi students? Which of these was most instructive uh, so they listen to the holocron sometimes. It's kind of like when the substitute teacher just like pressed play on the VCR when you were in middle school. It was like not really trying too hard. Uh, they listen to the holocron sometimes until it blew up, by the way. Then, sorry guys, we didn't finish the movie. You just like, you're going to have to Google it later. Um, they lift rocks sometimes, you know, as one does as a Jedi. They go on excursions in the jungle. Sometimes they discover Sith temples. And they meditate, you know, they close their eyes and sit in the grass, right? They uh, are, are gaslighted by Luke into believing that nothing dangerous is happening in their nightmares. And then finally, they combat ancient Sith spirits. So which of these, Nathan, do you think was most important? Uh, on the syllabus, the first day of class, which of these would you be most excited about? I got to go with the uh, the excursions into the jungle, just because it seems like every time Luke is like, oh, go explore, you know, go and like be back for dinner. We'll talk about what we learned. Be back for back. dinner. You know? <laughs> Definitely. What are they even eating? Who's the cook? Do they have a kitchen? Is there a mess hall? That's what I want to know. Do they have Chick-fil-A in their cafeteria? Because, I mean, in our, in our college, man, I must have at Chick-fil-A a thousand times in college. Mm, getting hungry just thinking about it all right how about you freddie which of these was most important to you yeah i i i think they're all pretty hilarious there's the watch the tv right we're gonna watch the tv <laughs> i don't have anything in my lesson plan today so we're all just gonna go outside and hang out <laughs> yeah sometimes um, tion plays your guitar yeah and everyone just listens and uh just meditate and just feel everything around you uh lift some rocks but you know that's that's about it and he he'll repeat the same exact things that were told to him which Obviously, it, you know, they try to make sense of yeah. it. Do or do That's not. That's one of the no problems. Is it's not very imaginative in, yeah. in thinking outside the box from the training that he had with Yoda in um, in Empire. So, you know, we've learned a lot more about the Jedi since then. Obviously, KJA has to play by the rules and, and write what was along with what was already in Star Wars at this point. We've had a lot more Jedi action since then, so you can do some more with it. But um, uh, do you see my point, Freddie, about the fact that 
that Luke doesn't really have structure. This, of course, is Cornhorn's major complaint. As soon as he shows up, he's like, all right, what time is class? <laughs> and uh, Luke's like, we don't really have class here. We just lift rocks when you feel like it. <laughs> Wouldn't that infuriate you? I'm kind of type A. I would have a problem with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are we going to have some duels? Are you going to teach me, uh, you know, Terrace Kasi, you know, hand-to-hand combat? <laughs> That's right. Uh, what are we yeah, doing when here? is lightsaber building instruction? The Cornhorn's super into that. I mean, he even puts two crystals in his because he's extra. Um, you know, this is this is does this, does Luke even use Google Calendar? Uh, I feel like he wouldn't do very well on the team at Utini. I mean, he would really have to watch a lot of Loom videos before he was <laughs> going to be able to him off a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> to keep up for sure, definitely. So let's talk about the lava serpent. For finally getting to my favorite part, you know, in terms of Luke's characterization and all of this, and that is he's having these tests from Gantoris, right? There's like these three challenges. It's very mythic and uh, definitely a red flag for Gantoris. We'll talk about him more in a moment, but. But uh, did this stand out to you? Obviously, Jesus in the Gospels walks on the water. Um, did, did this strike you as like a, kind of a, a messianic uh, what's ar- archetype here for Luke? How about you, Nathan? You, you look like, you know, what yeah, I assume absolutely. like the Western whitewashed Jesus looks like with the long <laughs> hair. Um, did you did you get like biblical overtones from this or is it just me because I'm a preacher? No, I did. And it was confirmed when Luke went into his coma and then, you know, his like followers were left without him. And then eventually he rose again from the dead and came back to lead them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it, it's amazing the way that that when the, the stepping stones are, are like messed up, you know, across the lava because there's this fire serpent. Luke's like, fine. Luke's just stares <laughs> Gantoris in the eyes and uh, doesn't blink and just straight up walks across the lava. And I just, you know, it's kind of a mic drop from Luke as far as I was concerned. And this is one of the complaints people have about Legends. It's like, Jedi can do whatever they need to do that's relevant to the plot. Oh, they're a little bit yeah. overpowered. This series in particular, <laughs> they're pulling, start, they're pulling uh, sun crushers out of the sun. Uh, or is it out of the gas giant? There's still the like giant. the, yeah. there's like the, the pressure inside is supposed to be crushing. Powerful? Yeah, crushing. Sure. You're supposed to crush the sun crusher. And yet uh, Kip with the power of Exar Kun just yanks it out of there. It's super OP. Uh, Luke, of course, is not to be outdone and walks across fire. Um, Freddie, do you want to comment on the Jedi fire Jesus Luke Skywalker? Yeah, there's so there's this trope that I, I every time I, I read it, I read this phrase, I couldn't help but laugh. And it wasn't like a a very funny laugh. It was just kind of like a nervous laugh. Like, oh, how, how many times do you keep saying this? Uh, but it's like, I have a Jedi technique that helps me ease my gas or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I've noticed this as in, in some of the early legend stuff, particularly across the the KJA averse. That is the, the Tom Veach, Kevin J. Anderson stuff. Yeah. It's like definitely Jedi powers, Jedi techniques. It's not so much becoming a Jedi, but like you do Jedi stuff or you can learn dark side techniques, skills to add to your, you know, Jedi uh, tool belt, right? Yeah. Um, is that what you're saying, Freddie? The fact that it's it's not so much about <laughs> becoming a Jedi as much as, like, doing Jedi stuff? Not just that, but I feel like if whatever ailment there might be in the world... Oh, it can solve any problem. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, man, I just stubbed my toe. Let me do a Jedi technique that helps me relieve my toe pain uh, or something ridiculous. There's always a technique. Right, that's kind of like an easy way out. I'm not saying it's a well, I don't know, maybe it is. <laughs> well, 
uh, you know who doesn't have it easy in this trilogy is uh, Leia Organa Solo herself. Um, of course, this series is really referential to Dark Empire. We've talked about Dark Empire a lot tonight. This series references Dark Empire on like every page. Yeah. Uh, it definitely is more built on that foundation than it is Zahn's um, empire. However, we'll say this for Cheryl. Uh, Mara does come up, and she's got a really fun relationship with Lando Calrissian himself. We'll talk about that more in a little while. Um, Leia, however, doesn't have it easy. Of course, it's established in the Thrawn trilogy as well as in Dark Empire that, hey, she's cranking out those Jedi babies at this point. Um, the series starts off by reuniting her with her kids. Jason and Jaina come back from having kind of been in exile and safekeeping with Winter. And uh, then the baby Anakin is kind of uh, hunted by the Caridans. Caridans? The, you know, the villain Fergan. I just pictured him as like the villain from Frozen. Uh, you know, the, the weasel guy, Weaselton. The Duke of Weaselton. Can you tell I've got little girls? Watch a lot of Frozen. I just pictured him the entire time, which was a ton of fun. He's definitely mustache twirly. But Leia, she like does not know how to take care of the kids, but she wants to. Right? She's got a lot on her plate. Very. Talk to me about how Leia comes across in this trilogy. She she's got an arc, yeah. right? You know, we can't sell her short, but it's kind of painful, isn't it? It is. I mean, uh, it's definitely not the strongest I've seen Leia. Uh, for instance, you know, she she's not very strong with the Force. She has very slight tinglings, but doesn't have a master in any of it, uh, and it almost doesn't really care too much that she does not master it. Yeah, she's uh, not super committed to her training. Yeah, and you know, she's like, oh, her. I mean, first of all, her babies didn't even know her. <laughs> You know, yeah. when they came back. I, so. I'm glad that this series rectifies that. It's like, it all right, let's get her back with her kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was it was kind of painful to see. I mean, even even if the character, you know, in the care in the book, she she's very busy. Mon Moth is giving her a lot of tasks. Uh, there's a fledgling yeah. New Republic to maintain, and she happens to be one of the key personnel to do that. And she's also a mom. And maybe yeah, I mean, she's got a lot on her plate. She definitely goes from you know not knowing how to take care of her kids to, uh, of course, spoiler alert for the end of the series, she's promoted to chief of state, which becomes the status quo in the rest of the Bantam era Legends material, right? Up until the New Jedi Order, I think uh, Leia is the chief of state for, for like ten years of the New Republic, so she's serving in this prominent position. Leia, of course, goes from just trying to hold the New Republic together to be foisted into this position of authority. So I do pr appreciate the art, uh, the arc that she has in this series. Um, and one of the things, we've talked about this before, I think, Freddie, talking about do you like Jedi Leia or politician Leia? And uh, obviously Dark Empire, she's Jedi Leia. You know, she's she's tackling Palpatine with the lightsaber. You know, she's, say, she's dueling against Luke Skywalker, evil Luke Skywalker. But not really. It's kind of nebulous. Um, uh, Freddie, do you prefer uh, Leia as a politician or Leia as a Jedi? You know, so different Legends authors yeah. handle this differently. I think Leia as a politician, that's who she is supposed to be, right? She's supposed to be very much like her mother, Padme. Granted, I don't know. I can't. I don't think she was Padme was even written close to this time at all. So, or the idea of that. But yeah, she she's she very much fits the politician, and and I think you see that a lot with with uh, you know a new hope. They're trying to capture that version of her, but she very much is a uh, an action person, right? She she does like to be in the midst of it all, and and yeah um, it's tough. It's a tough question, honestly, to to really determine which one I like. I think I like both. You know, when she plays both roles. How about you, Nathan? Yeah, um, I'd go politician as well. I mean, you know, she's just kind of a natural leader. And 
you really see that you know here and in a lot of other legends but um yeah i mean they definitely did downplay the jedi thing here you know luke keeps chastising her like you need to work on your training more and stuff like that um but yeah i think overall she's yeah. kind of meant to be a politician yeah definitely um now i gotta admit to shout out to the the dark nest trilogy i love the the arc of leia finally becoming a jedi mostly because it's like you kind of are resigned to thinking she's never going to become one and Mm -hmm. then boy does dinning double down on her becoming a jedi it's so much fun because um you know she's like dueling i think i mentioned this last week or on on something recently oh i've got too many podcasts in the works guys um (laughs) she's like dueling against a one-armed crazed dark jedi uh, alima twilight dark jedi on top of a moving spaceship so she goes from in this series like, nah, I'm not sure if Jedi stuff's for me to um, dueling a Twilight Dark Jedi on top of a moving spaceship. That's right, you did not hear me wrong. Um, Leia in this trilogy, I like that she has an arc, which is not necessarily true for all the characters. Uh, you know, whoever uh, who I think KJA writes the best in this entire trilogy though is Han Solo. On the one hand, Han has a bromance with Kip. He kind of takes this young scruffy. Uh, you know, Spice Miner under his wing, a future Jedi, future genocidal Jedi turned good Jedi, but definitely kind of anti-establishment in the new Jedi order. Kip, he's a whole thing. Um, Han takes Kip under his wing, at least in Jedi Search. But then Han also has a really fun bromance with Lando, especially in uh, the second and third books of the trilogy. There's this whole bit that goes back and forth of them playing cards to oh, competing for the Falcon over and over and over again. Like, they just keep doing it. it I, I found it so charming and humorous. So, uh, Nathan, who has the better bromance with Han Solo in this trilogy, Kip or Lando? I got to go Lando um, just because I enjoyed it more. It was, you know, hilarious, absurd. Um, You know, with Kip, it was kind of, it was heartwarming and I enjoyed that too. But the Lando, you know, Han romance was just unmatched in this trilogy. Oh man, it was so good. So like the bit, it kind of plays into the recent solo film, doesn't it? Where the the whole idea is that... uh, Lando doesn't believe that Han won the Falcon legitimately for him. I think it's in the Hut Gambit. It's it's in one of the the Crispin Han Solo books. I forget where where Han wins the Falcon from Lando, and the idea is he didn't win it legitimately. So Lando's like, "It's still my ship. I want my ship back." So they're like, "Let's just play cards for it again." And then Han's like, "I promise I won't be mad." But then Han throws an absolute hissy fit, and and they just keep. <laughs> Throughout the whole series, they're like bumming rides off each other. Yeah. As soon as Han loses the Falcon, he's like, Lando, I need you to give me a ride to Kashyyyk. And then as soon as Lando loses the Falcon to Han, he's like, hey, buddy, you know that spaceship you got? I could really use a ride. We need to go pick up Mara Jade. We got a hot date. <laughs> and uh, it's <laughs> just so good, so good. Finally, at the very end, um, they agree they're going to go back to Kessel to find the Lady Luck, which he lost. It wasn't like anybody took it from him. They just like kind of forgot to pick it up. And so like, they go back to Kessel, get the Lady Luck, and finally he cuts his losses. 
uh, absolutely great with the bromances. I can see Freddie, or at least I could for a second there, uh, flipping to uh, a certain passage that he had in mind. Um, we'll, we'll come back to Han and Lando and Kip in just a second when we can uh, f- rescue Freddie out of the maw <laughs> of whatever his camera's like. All right, Freddie, we can still hear you, so tell okay. us. Tell us who's got the better bromance. I'll just stroke my beard while you talk. Yeah, uh, the def- better the better bromance, uh, <laughs> Kip or Lando. It's definitely uh, uh, so. Kip and Lando to me have the mentee mentor kind of lifestyle, right? He's almost like a big brother, right? Uh, yeah. W- when it comes to friendship, a uh, hand hando. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's their that's their ship name. <laughs> that's their ship name, guys. Uh, Han Not Hondo. Lando. That's a totally different character. Hey, Han. Uh, yeah, Han and Han and Lando, uh, Lando, Lumi. This is tough, guys. I'm having a, a hard time right now. <laughs> Han and Lando, a Star Wars story. <laughs> um, so you know they're they're bickering. They're constant. Like they're definitely really they're they're good buddies, but they wouldn't consider each other good buddies. But everyone's like, no, you guys are good friends. You know, it's, yeah. it's a funny relationship. And and uh, I'm I'm actually turning to a to a page for I, I know Cheryl's in the chat and we talk about Mara Jade so or Mara <laughs> depending on who you are yeah you know it's so from. clear it's so clear with their relationship that yeah. that Mara is not interested romantically in Lando um you know it's she is just continually um you know putting off his efforts but like Lando doesn't give up easily no. you know obviously he wants to keep trying to win the Falcon from Han uh he also is just not going to give up on um not going to give up on Mara either. Uh, however, uh, I-, I will say this much: for Cheryl's sake, it is I've officially been proven wrong. They don't date. They don't have a real relationship. Mara never really um, acquiesces to wanting to date Lando. Now, I've got a theory on this, Nathan. Let me know if I'm right. Do you think this was KJA trying to put Mara with Lando because he didn't want Mara with Luke? Is, is this like an anti-Zon thing? I could definitely see it. Um, there was one passage in Champions where like Mara said something kind of nice to Lando and he was like, I never will forget that or something like that. <laughs> so like it, it almost it feels like he is kind of like pushing the envelope as much as he can with the two of them. Like it goes a little beyond just like Lando, you know, jokes about Lando. It like, it, you know, he, he really pushes it. Did you find your passage, Freddie? I, I I found my passage for Calrissian and Mara. I think this is the one. I'm not sure if we're ready to talk about this one. I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're sitting. It's it's towards the very end, and uh, Calrissian and Mara are talking about the whole Kessel thing and the operation, right? And uh, Mara's just sighed, uh, but it was more of a resigned, tolerant noise than an <laughs> than an actual annoyance. You just yeah. don't give up. Do you, Calrissian? He shook his head, still grinning. Nope. Giving up is not my style. Not ever. Mara slumped back, slumped back in her passenger chair and started and stared outside of Lady Luck's front viewport. I was afraid of that. It's so good. It's so good. He wrote all the Han Lando stuff so well in this. Uh, so, so Cheryl, you were right. We debated this in the Thrawn trilogy episodes. You were right. I was wrong. They never actually dated. Uh, we were dealing with my memory from when I read these 20 years ago. Uh, but you're not right about who shot first in the cantina. It was Greedo. Greedo shot first. All right. Um, that's canonical. Now, 
She does say she likes your Lando impression. So Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> it is good. It is good. <laughs> I, I actually, when reading this series, Freddie, was hearing Lando's voice in your impression Ooh. of Lando's voice nice. this entire way through. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> we have arrived. Now, uh, we've talked about uh, Han and Lando. Let's talk a little bit more about his understudy. That is Kip. He takes Kip under his wing. Now, Nathan, did you track with Kip's fall to the dark side? For me, it felt a little bit sudden. Was it was it logical yeah. for the character progression? I love the way Kip was established in Jedi Search, but then clearly he's just like under Exarkun's influence, and there's not much of a, a transition. Did you track with it? Yeah, I had some problems with that. I, I it was just so sudden, um, and then in the it kind of seemed like. Um, you know, in the end, it almost got like retconned, and I know we'll talk about this in a little bit. But like, yeah, it's like you know, I was possessed the whole time. The influence he was, yeah. yeah. So no, it wasn't really. It was a little startling to me. Yeah, I don't blame Kip. <laughs> I blame I blame KJA. <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I eventually Gantoris was just so clearly like already dark when he got there. <laughs> Gantoris is just like he wants power. You know, he liked ruling his people. <laughs> And but he clearly like had a good side in him, but then unfortunately, uh, Exar Kun got the better of him. And then, but he exploded. Did he explode? Did he, he must have. Did he? He burned. He said it was like charred flesh. Like he oh just, man, know, it was internally combusted. It was brutal. I I'm reading that chapter this time around, got a little sick, like a little nauseous. Maybe it was a concussion. Maybe it was the book. I don't know. It didn't matter. Uh, Freddie, how, how about Kip for you? Was this a logical character pro- progression? It was. It was a very. It felt a little rushed, right? I mean, he he all of a sudden lands on this planet. And he's like, all these people are weak, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and he he gets a little. Uh, I'm not sure why he becomes so cocky all of a sudden. You know, he was just in a tunnel his whole life, basically. So well, they they uh, basically establish he's the most powerful Jedi student. Yeah. You yeah. know, when your only other competition is Streen. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Streen. Sorry, Streen's, Streen's actually pretty cool in the Jedi Academy Leviathan series. Yeah. He's like uses the weather. Yeah, he's poor a, Streen. Definitely a weather dude. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been a weatherman. Um, yeah. It was very. It was rushed have, to me. It felt a little bit rushed. That's what this trilogy needed. Just a hundred more pages, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this trilogy needed, for sure. Well, so you brought something up really interesting, Nathan, and that is you felt like it was retconned at the end, just how under the influence he was. You want to speak to that a little bit? What do you mean by that? How responsible is Kip for his actions, in your opinion? Yeah, so in Jedi Search, it sounds like he's just listening to Exar Kun's like teachings, and that's all you know. He's he's, he's mm-hmm. learning to use the dark side, and he, that's why he's getting power. And then in Champions, when you know the spirit of Exar Kun is defeated, Kip's like this this weight has been lifted, and it's like almost like he wasn't controlling himself, which is not what it seemed at all in Jedi Search. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit nebulous. Just how under the influence he was. You got an opinion on this one, Freddie? Eh, I mean, it, this is one of those those things where you just got to read it and and don't think too hard about it. The more you the more you think about it, the more you try to disciple or you know decipher what's going on. The more you're just like, I don't know. Did you say disciple? Now you're disciple. speaking my language. <laughs> Dark disciple, am I right? Oh, there you go. Almost said disciple, yeah. But uh, you know, he Kip Kip. I don't know. I, I he it's a it's a cool little single uh variable character right he's he's got one personality he's just strong and 
super alpha for for some reason but uh he yeah, he was so likable in Jedi Search he when he's just like he befriends Han and oh, yeah. and Chewie. He's like, hey, these guys are cool. I'm gonna hang out with them. Yeah, hey, uh, I think I know a way off this planet. You guys want to get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Um. So so he's fun in that regard, and I did like his relationship with Han, where Han has to be the one to redeem him yeah. instead of Luke, which is fun because in this series Luke is super into redeeming people. Luke is just like <laughs> he loves it. I've got a trick up my sleeve. We're gonna redeem them. And <laughs> Luke just has that You're redemption You're card. Yeah. Everybody gets a redemption. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, speaking of disciple, I'm going to preach for like one minute here. All right. Now, this is something that comes up a lot in Legends where somebody is possessed by an ancient Sith spirit. All right. This needs to be like a one of these Legends look back drinking games. Yeah. Somebody's possessed by an ancient evil Sith spirit. Take a drink. Right. Well, you know, in, in the real world, it can be really tempting to blame other people for your bad behavior. It's like, well, it wasn't my fault. It was my wife. She just really gets under my nerves. Or it was my teacher. It's the reason I'm not succeeding in school. Or the devil made me do it. That one came, comes up a lot in church, right? Uh, oh, that dang devil. He just tempted me again, right? Um, whereas I think a better perspective on this, and I want to hear your, your thoughts on this, guys, we have got to take responsibility for our own actions, right? Even if you've got some kind of a flaw or if somebody else caused the problem in your life, you still have a choice in terms of how you treat people. Even if you have the most miserable existence on planet Earth, you can treat people with kindness, right? You don't actually have to blow up the home planet of your enemies, right? <laughs> there are other options on the table. Um, Freddie, what do you think? Is this right? Uh, should Kip have taken more responsibility for his actions? And, and th think about this in a real world context too. Yeah, it's it's you know the thing of whole judge and jury uh, it comes into play, right? And and that's one of the things that that even during you know in the council the the council when when they're talking about his actions, he they basically say you know like what you did was very strategic and it helped us a lot, but we don't condone it, which is <laughs> the best way you could really think about it. Honestly, it's it's you did a really good thing for the galaxy, but it wasn't the right way to do it. Right. And it's it's a very ethical question. And yeah, it's and interesting. It's honestly like a very interesting thing to put into a Star Wars book, too, because, you know, destroy all Imperials. That doesn't sound bad. Blow up a military academy. So like you're killing yeah. Imperial kids who are yeah. in school. <laughs> so yeah. but, you know, there, there's a different way to do it. There's a way to to take hold of the planet. Right. Put the right people into a prison and a blockade. A blockade, it's perfectly yeah. legal, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and uh, you know, propaganda the heck out of the planet and get everybody onto the <laughs> the New Republic. <laughs> yeah, well, and the series starts off where Mon Mothma is trying to court the the leaders of Karita into having a diplomatic meeting, but like they clearly don't want it. They're like, All right, we'll poison you instead, and crash your B wing. Um, how, how about you, Nathan? How responsible do we need to be for our own actions, or, or should we just blame ancient Sith spirits anytime we do anything evil? Yeah, I mean, I think Kip does get a little bit of a pass, given that, you know, I mean, he basically grew up underground in Kessel, and then he comes out into the world, like, all impressionable and stuff, so he gets a little bit of kind of, you know, I guess, empathy for that, but, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, he did choose to kill. I think they say in the book, like, millions, maybe billions of people. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of of death on his hands that ultimately, one way or another, he has to kind of answer for. I really like the way that this is treated in, I think, the New Jedi Order. Um, 
uh, one of the late legend series really deals with some people within the New Republic, especially as the galaxy is uniting more and more from the Imperial Remnant. They hate, absolutely hate Kip Duran. They want him off the Jedi Council. They want uh, him uh, tried for his actions. They're like, I had an uncle who died at Korea, a brother who died at Korea, and Kip Duran should not be one of our lawmakers, right? He should not be on the Jedi High Council uh, in this new government. So I like the way this is explored, you know, 10, 20 years after this, a lot of fun, especially considering the fact that Kip isn't especially remorseful, especially as an adult, when he becomes a Jedi Master, he's taking this very proactive, he wants to have a, uh, let's go out and just kill the Yuuzhan Vong, let's not try to be diplomatic about it, let's eliminate them, let's wipe them out, let's use a biological warfare, whatever it takes, and so um, he kind of is this foil for Luke later on, isn't especially remorseful, so it does take on this extra overtone of nuance that isn't in this series, and I like the way that Legends really builds on itself with these long series. Um yeah, no, Cheryl is asking a good question, and Cheryl, it's nebulous in the series. She says, wait, wasn't this a possession, or did Kip still have his own autonomous thoughts? Uh, the book gets you inside Kip's head, and he hears the the tempting of Exar Kun, but he ultimately is, like, choosing to follow his lead, like, yeah. choosing... And then at the end, like Nathan said, it is retconned into being like, I was possessed. Like, it wasn't even my own thoughts. Yeah. To me, um, from my point of view, the way it looked, Cheryl, is is more of like the, uh, uh, you know, I want to be powerful. I know I'm powerful, so I'm going to learn all of these powerful techniques. And yeah. I'm smart enough to know that he's the dark side, so I'm not going to let him trick me that much. I just want him to teach me all of his, yeah. his powerful stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Let's talk about, uh, before we ever even get to Kip, we first start off with Gantoris. Now, I, I love Gantoris. He's so much fun. Um, I remember as a like 10-year-old, I made my own little Gantoris Lego, and oh, I would so have cool. him uh, jump out of the volcano that I built and made my own fire serpent. I wish I could find pictures of that. It'd be so fun. It was probably terrible. Anyway, um, Nathan, what's Gantoris' problem? Is it his lust for power? Is it his obsession with forbidden knowledge? Or is it just his lack of sleep? He's just like staying up all night. We're building lightsabers and practicing dark side stuff. What's his real problem? I guess I, I guess it's got to be power. I mean, that's what he kind of seems driven by. Um, he doesn't really seem like he needs like forbidden knowledge. Or like the reason he's building a lightsaber seems to be just, you know, because he wants more power and strength. How about you, Freddie? Yeah, he, he definitely seems like he's a little extra as they say uh <laughs> everything yeah. that i could... think it's because it's on his home planet like they treat him like a god <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> i mean yeah. i guess you are if you're the only one with jedi powers you know with force ability exactly uh, you he... grow up in a town of 120 people <laughs> yeah yeah he he definitely had some lust of for power and and even uh i'm pretty sure he he was and i'm not 100 percent sure and i just have to go i'd have to go read it back but I'm not sure if Gantoris was actually using the life the, the life force of other creatures to keep him awake and whatnot. Oh, that's dark. So and that's kind of where his his darkness fell, right? He he I want to say he was listening to whatever Exar Kun was saying and and it was definitely getting into his head, but he he was also very conflicted and uh you know, the whole dream that he had prior to to everything just really messed him up. Yeah, you know, talking about the lust for knowledge, he becomes obsessed with wanting to know more, and so he's trying to access the holocron, and um, 
eventually that becomes his downfall. Uh, it really reminds me of the you know early chapters of Genesis. You know, here I am uh, putting on my preacher hat for a second. Uh, the whole idea with man's downfall, right? The fall in the garden is that Eve wants more knowledge. The serpent says, you know. Um, God doesn't want you to know as much as he knows, because if you did, then you'd be like God. It's just if you only knew as much as him, then you would be as powerful as him. And eventually, you know, mythologically, that is man's problem. That's our sin. Her sin is all of our sin, which is that we we want what we can't have. Um, and so we try to subvert power structures in the world and choose selfishly and I'll get off my soapbox there. Um, but I do think maybe the real problem is this lack of sleep. Get some sleep, folks. Like If you're tempted to stay up all night to work on a project, just get some sleep instead. Dan I mean, Torres, I want to go on record here. He could have been saved if he would have just taken a nap. Am I right? Yeah. But I'll he didn't, go on record and he exploded. Uh, Gantoris was a little hot-blooded. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Gantoris. <laughs> Shout out to Gantoris. He's a real one. Um, finally, let's talk about another villainous character in the book, and then we're going to play a little game we'll be done for tonight. And let's talk about Admiral Natasi Dalla with her quarantine hair and everything. Did you, did you notice the passage that said, like, she had, yeah, there's no there's no hairstylists in the mall, so she just let her hair grow out for, what, the 20 years she's been stationed in the installation. So she's got, like, this long, ratty hair. Um, I was like, oh, that's a mood. I get that for sure. Like, I've had one haircut in the last calendar year, and clearly Nathan hasn't had one in 20 years. So <laughs> with the long hair he's got rocking over there. Um, Dala, of course, comes back later in Legacy of the Force, maybe in... Uh, Fate of the Jedi, I forget which series, she becomes, you know, the ruler of the entire galaxy, uh, which is super cool the way that she's reused. But in this series, I was a little disappointed. She didn't quite live up to my nostalgia. Uh, Freddie, how is Dala different from other big Imperial bad guys like Isard and Thrawn and, and Palpatine with or without clothes? Um, what's what's Dala's agenda? What's she all about? Well, first of all, uh, she is Grand Moff Tarkin's former lover. So Understudy, right? Uh, is understudy, she... Oh, sure. no. no Did, was there a lover well, thing? Did I miss that? Absolutely, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> in, in, and she just seems to lose purpose after she realizes there's, there's really no one left, right? There might be some, some warlords left fighting for, for whatever, but... She's stuck without any news, and once she finds out that everything that she was working for and everyone she was working for is no longer there, she's just like, all right, well, I don't know what to do. Let's just go destroy things. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. She was like, well, there's no more Empire. Uh, we're not going to try to take over the galaxy. We're just going to blow stuff up. Yeah. And I really loved that. That was fun. Definitely fun. How about you, Nathan? What do you think Dala is all about? Yeah, I mean, is her whole arc in this is kind of funny. Like, you know, she gets promoted because of her relationship with Tarkin and then Tarkin's like well just go sit in the middle of the mall and we'll call you if we need you ever and then they wait there you know faithfully for like years I think it's like 10 years um, and then she's like well yeah like everything I live for is completely destroyed there's a complete new government oh well let's go out the bang like <laughs> Yeah, I, I loved that she's got three Star Destroyers and this was really giving me some like uh, um uh, what's the, what are the names of the of Columbus's ships? The, the oh, Pinta? the Santa Maria. <laughs> yeah, 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 the I'm missing one. The Santa Maria, the 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 Nina is that one? Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria. Yeah, 
Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it was really giving me these vibes because Dala's her star destroyers. Their their names are awesome. There's the Basilisk, the Gorgon, the Hydra, and the Manticore. Yeah. And before they even make it out of the Maw, she loses one. One gets blown up by Kipteron or something like that. And uh, it just loved that like throughout the trilogy, she just loses another star destroyer and then another star destroyer and then another Star Destroyer. They just, like, kept going down one at a time. I was like, oh, you start off with a fleet of four, yeah. and they just <laughs> systematically going down notice, one at a time. They go in, like, the most spectacular fashion. One of them just oh, gets yeah. sucked up in a in a black hole. Another one gets right. blown up in a nebula. <laughs> one yeah, gets, one, one's uh, blown up by Kip, right? Yeah, one of them gets... Uh, 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 Admiral Akbar flies another one right... Uh, flies a <laughs> ship right through the other yeah, one. Yeah, right, he holdos it. Yep. Yeah, he hauled those. No, up. no, he he gets out of it, right? He he he, he empties he's, it. It's he's remote. Yeah, it's he's remote, remote controlling it. Yeah, he remote controls a star destroyer into Admiral Dalla's. It's so cool. It's so great. I love it. <laughs> Dalla for me was like she was a chaos agent in this. Yeah, she was definitely like, hey, if I can't rule the galaxy, we might as well burn it, which was a ton yeah. of fun. She just couldn't get a um, single win though. <laughs> no. no, not a single win. the 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 end of champions (laughs) i won't spoil it too much it's kind of wacky the last 50 to 100 pages where you've got all the different pieces in play where there's a crew at kessel and then there's another crew at the maw installation and then they like abs accidentally collide with one another and they're like hey you like the spider-man meme they're like i didn't know you were here and then they all just start shooting each other and blowing stuff up (laughs) it's 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 so so comical and it's so much fun. Very light, very breezy read. Now, I do want to give a shout-out with the villains to Toll Sivrin, the Twi'lek bureaucrat. Uh, ty- Twi'lek bureaucrat. Everybody say that five times fast. Twi'lek bureaucrat. <laughs> Woo! Um, it's going to have to be my vocal warm-up before we start next week's show. <laughs> Toll Sivrin, he's the most hilariously petty character in all of Legends, and you can quote me on that. Freddie, you know who I'm talking about? The one who was like yeah. constantly saying, I think we should have a meeting to discuss this. Oh, right? man. He worries me a little bit because I'm definitely like uh, very process-driven. <laughs> like, we should do this because then we'll never really mess up. But then I see his point of view, and I'm like, you know... Not sure right now is a good time to look at the manual. You should just uh, try to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so good he just like even in the middle of a battle like his star destroyer is on fire and he's like um okay so the agenda any old business <laughs> he just yeah. like wants to keep well, this is the shortest meeting ever only two hours <laughs> oh i know it's so good how about you nathan did you like toll Sivrin? yeah i especially liked his crew how they were like no no, no we don't need me right now or like making all these excuses like and going by the books to like try to tell him why they didn't need a meeting because <laughs> right. clearly they've just been dealing with this crap for years right article 6b of the handbook <laughs> during oh, and a then rebel incursion <laughs> right and then he says oh there's not uh, a process there, there's nothing in here about what happens if the death star is hijacked by rebels uh possibly we should add that to the handbook and so it's like their ship is getting sucked into a black hole and he's like make sure you add a section in the handbook uh so much fun absolutely loved him so as we go out with a bang much like dollar star destroyers guys help me evaluate the jedi students we've got you know a handful who you know really play a role in this book you've got uh or in this trilogy we've got Silgal and and she's the the Mon Calamari, is she a relative of Akbar's? Is that I right? I think she's just an ambassador. To the the yeah, ambassador Mari. from, she's the healer. Um, Love Silgal. She becomes Jedi Master on the Council later on in the New Jedi Order. Uh, so 
help me let's give honorary sorry honorifics like uh, like it's the class yearbook for this first class of jedi academy students who's the most memorable who's the most powerful who's the best equipped for a future seat on the jedi council who's the class clown all right let's let's give out awards for this this first dozen students <laughs> uh start us off ready at least give us one okay most most memorable uh, i definitely say that and i'm i never remember her name the mon calamorian ambassador caligula what's still her gal. name yeah still gal okay. still gal right. <laughs> okay uh, yeah, I, I think she she played a really big role, especially with with saving Mon Mothma. That was how they they really. I guess that was definitely Lucas Lucas Arts or Lucas Films' addition to that, right? So it's the the way to save Mon Mothma for her sick from her sickness. Yeah, I, I she definitely is not a warrior. She she has a different skill in the forest. I like Silgal a lot. She's typically a voice of reason on the council. Yeah, yeah most equipped for the council for sure. How about you, Nathan? Um, I'm going to take class clown and I'm going to say Dorsk 81. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Dorsk just... 81. Uh, I'll say this much. Something happens with Dorsk 81 later on in legends. And yeah. guess what? There's even another one. There's Dorsk 82 who also becomes <laughs> the Jedi <laughs> in Je- the Jedi Academy Leviathan series. And he's got a fun little character Amazing. arc in that. And they love their heavily processed foods. Yeah, the the whole deal with Doris Gaty One, if you don't know, is he is um he's a clone of Dorsk. He's the eighty first clone of Dorsk and <laughs> Dorsk Falia, am I right? Um Dorsk, of course, has uh like they're they're very strict. They're trying to like clone their species into the most what perfect version of themselves so they keep iterating and uh, trying to refine their dna to make the most like perfect specimen but then dorsk 81 is a reject he's a failure because he has the force right he did not come out the way he was supposed to be but then the, the whole series are like you're not a failure dorsk 81 you're totally unique in our sight um <laughs> i just love so that they good. have to add the 81 after his name every single time it's so great Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I love that there's a Dorsk 82 as well. Also becomes a Jedi. Um, I, I'm going to just give a shout out to Karana T and Brachus. They both have a really fun arc in the new in, in the Young Jedi Knight series. So they come up in those books as well. So uh, Karana T actually was in the courtship of Princess Leia a little bit and was a Dathomirian uh, force witch. I don't think she was a knight sister. She was the good, like the good night sister. Yeah, right? it was. It was like the force witches of of uh, Dathomir, something like that. Also, want to give a shout out to Tion, who's you know keeping them entertained with her stringed instruments <laughs> and with her her. Uh, she, I think she's the only person in the galaxy who likes Tales of the Jedi as much as me. She's <laughs> super into Nomi Sunrider, aren't we all? Uh, give a shout out to a couple people who have chimed in over on our uh, new. Legends Look Back Goodreads channel, where I've started a discussion there. Uh, my buddy Caleb chimed in to say that Tion will always have a soft spot for him, uh, primarily for her role in the Junior Jedi Knight series as well, which I have not read those. So looking forward to seeing what she does there. I know later she becomes like the headmaster of the Academy, which is she's definitely suited for that. I'm trying to think who would have like the funniest line under, you know, somebody who would make a 
little joke in the yearbook quote. If you've got a Jedi Academy yearbook quote that you um, can imagine for one of these characters, let us know in the Legends Look Back Discord channel or in the comments on this video on YouTube. So next week, we're going to be talking about the overarching questions, such as why Kessel is such a great choice for this series. We're going to talk about the Dark Empire references on every page and, not to be forgotten, the blob races on, you guessed it, a blobstacle course. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. So that does it for this week on Legends Look Back. Thanks for joining us here, especially for those who have been with us live here on YouTube. Thanks to Nathan, our guest, for joining us. And, of course, if you would like your thoughts heard on the show, you can email us at legendslookbackatutini.com. Send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. Leave a comment on this episode on YouTube or find us on Twitter. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie? At Wake Up Freddy. Meg? At Meg Dowell. Nathan? Uh, it's Nathan Emery. And, of course, we've got our all-new Legends Look Back Twitter account, at, you guessed it, Legends Look Back. If you're looking to buy some of these books, such as Jedi Search, Dark Apprentice, or Champions of the Force, and you want to help support the show, look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link on the all-new redesigned book profiles. Uh, shout out to Corey. Those look gorgeous. Uh, and you can leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, or, of course, you can go over to Amazon or Thriftbooks or eBay. We've got all kinds of different places where you can pick up these bad boys and throw a few credits our way as well. Uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to know, uh, how would you rate the Jedi Academy trilogy? Uh, who was the most right, Nathan, Freddie, or myself? <laughs> uh, can you read these faster than Meg? If so, uh, start it now and see if you can uh, finish the first book by the time we get to next week's episode, because I guarantee you she will not. Well, this has been a ton of fun. It's good to be back in the saddle with you guys. Remember, everybody, to keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you. This is a Utini Broadcast. <laughs>